Hello, my name is Betsy Ramirez, and please join me in this three-part series on the experiences of Latinx individuals in the Midwest. So growing up as a Mexican-American in the state of Illinois and having family who lived in California and other states closer to the Mexican border, I many times questioned why it was that my family and many other Latinx immigrant families had decided on settling in the Midwest out of all places within the U.S. Thanks to this course this semester, many of the readings I came in contact with and the experiences I've heard from others, I've kind of started to piece together why it was that the Midwest seemed like a good option to go with. In the following episodes, you'll get to hear a bit more about the experiences of some of my family members who hadn't been born in the Midwest, but eventually came to settle here. Uh, Both individuals who came from very different generations, so it should definitely be interesting to see any similarities or distinctions within their experiences. But just to give a bit of context on my family's experience and how it was that we got settled in this region, it all goes back to my grandfather, my dad's dad, Abracero, who eventually became a legal citizen thanks to the amnesty that was granted to immigrants in 1986. He was then able to apply for some of his children to become residents, one of them being my dad. So thanks to this opportunity, they were able to take advantage of it and just mark a huge change in what was to come in their lives for years after. So my dad went back to Mexico, married my mom, and they eventually came to settle in the U.S. in the late 80s, early 90s. Again, thanks to this new opportunity that had opened up. But... Just because they had arrived here, like many other Latinx immigrants, that didn't necessarily mean that things would change completely 180 from day to night and that everything would be perfect and life would be so much better than how it was in their home countries. It actually meant that things, that life was going to get a bit more difficult. There was going to be a language barrier, there was going to be a culture shock. It was just going to be a completely new setting that they were walking into with very little knowledge of. So, provided this change, many stayed in the countries that were closer to the border, such as California, Texas, Arizona, um, as it was closer to their home countries. But the jobs that were available there mainly had to do with agriculture. So, workers would be out in the hot sun or in the cold weather for many hours a day for very little pay. So when many got tired of this, they came to hear about opportunities that were available in states out here in the Midwest, such as in cities like Chicago or here in Milwaukee. The book Brown in the Windy City by Lilia Fernandez gives a perfect example by stating in her first chapter, Throughout the 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s, Mexican immigrants, both men and women, entered unskilled or semi-skilled manufacturing work, where many employers welcomed them, regardless of legal status. This was something that continued on for many years even after, in which employers would be happy to have, you know, labor provided to them by workers. So... They continued to employ them for years after. This was an opportunity that many Latinx individuals took kind of advantage of and were able to kind of make better better living salaries to kind of survive. But not everything was perfect, again, as I mentioned, because they still had to face a lot of discrimination within the Midwest because many individuals, there weren't as many individuals who looked like them in these regions. 
So it can be seen in the Latina Latino Midwest Reader on page one, an incident that talks about a situation in which many immigrants would have to face on their day-to-day basis. It states, two years later, Postville, Iowa became the state of the largest workplace raid in the nation when approximately 400 undocumented workers were detained in the agri-processors meat packaging plant and subsequently 300 were deported. Deportation or just being caught by the police, being stopped by the police when you were driving was a major fear that many immigrants had to face because they never knew how things could end, what the result would be if they were going to have to go back to their home countries. There were many fears that they had to live with on a daily basis, many new challenges, language being another barrier in which sometimes if they were talked to by their employers, by police or other people of authority, it was very complicated or it really resulted in times of kind of panic or just anxiety for many Latinx individuals as the language barrier was was a very big um, challenge to kind of get, get past. But this didn't discourage them. This didn't discourage all Latinx individuals within the Midwest because as the Latina Latino Midwest reader also states on page one, in 2006, immigrant rights activists staged massive demonstrations throughout the nation, including in major Midwestern cities, to protest the proposed Sensenbrenner Bill, which would have upgraded illegal entry into the United States into a felony. There were many acts of protest. They, Many Latinx individuals used their voices. They stood, they made their presence known, and they stood against others who wanted to make them feel like outsiders, who won, who kept saying that they needed to go back to where they belonged, such as their home countries. But they didn't let these comments get to them. They continued fighting. Um, an example being one of the interviews in the Somos Latinas Project Oral Histories on the Wisconsin Historical Society website. Um, an interview done on December 1st, 2012 on a woman named Barbara Medina. She was a Chicana born in Texas, but then moved to Milwaukee with her family when the time came to, for her to start school because, as her parents had told her, um, they came in seek of better opportunities. She also mentioned in her interview that her mom was involved in a lot of activism here in Milwaukee to stand up against the institutionalized racism that existed within society. Um, so growing up in that atmosphere, seeing all these acts um, of protest, of being inspired by her mom, she grew up, as she stated, with the idea that um, this led her to believe that being part of the Chicano movement was making a difference, that she would be able to mobilize and impact change within her communities. She wasn't just going to sit back, even though she was born within the U.S. and her parents had been born in the U.S., she was still going to continue fighting for those who were possibly left a voiceless, for those who had been deported, for those who hadn't been granted the same opportunities just give, just because of the fact that they were Latinos or Latinas, or that they had come from different countries. She knew that they came in search of better opportunities, of a better life for their children, their possible grandchildren in this day now. Um, and so she stood up for that change. So all these acts of activism and just standing up, these protests, these were ways in which she made place for herself within her community, within communities that were possibly very much predominantly white. 
such as the Midwest really was within this era in which many immigrants were arriving. But making placemaking didn't just have to look like huge acts or um, of public displays of protesting. It could be seen in very small things, such as starting to form memories in certain settings, um, going out, connecting with your neighbors, meeting individuals of diverse backgrounds, conversating with them. These were all ways in which Latinos or Latinx individuals made their presence known. They made their own spaces within settings that weren't as welcoming to them. They would go out and say hi to individuals. It can be seen in the chapter Ituque, Latino History in the New Millennium by George J. Sanchez um, on page 3 as he states, Moreover, issues of race in the United States and the contribution of Latino history to a new understanding of race stand as a critical arena that can potentially bridge the division between Latin American and U.S. history, as well as serve as an important point of comparison between the stories of various Latino groups in the United States. So just engaging with those around you, teaching others, making outreach to different individuals, these are all kind of ways in which Latinx individuals engaged in placemaking. Work sites were definitely locations in which there was a lot of um, collision. There was a lot of mixing of individuals from different backgrounds. These were ways in which you could really get to know your neighbors, get to know your co-workers, teach others about your background while at the same time learning about theirs. These were all ways in which families could kind of start to transition, learn about the learn about their new settings and really start to form bonds with these new settings because the more they knew about it, the more they could kind of connect and start to form their own memories. So after all this all this new content, I've come I've really come to see just how much it is that the Midwest has provided back to Latinx individuals. It definitely hasn't been an easy road. It's Latinx individuals have been faced with multiple challenges along the way, and we still have quite a long way to go. But it's definitely become more clear why many immigrant families made this decision of coming to states like Illinois, to Wisconsin, to Michigan, and others where they were simply provided with better opportunities for their families to live out altered versions of the American dream they came in hopes of, or they came with visions of, such as my family and many other families around me are here making that change, are making their dreams realities, definitely with bumps along the way, but they're getting there. And they live to see how their children and grandchildren continue to carry out these dreams continue to follow their own paths, pave the way for themselves, speak their language, carry out their culture, demonstrate it out in public within these new settings, within these new spaces, to continue demonstrating to those around them that we belong here as well, that Latinx individuals have a lot to incorporate, and the U.S. consists, would be nothing without the labor and without the help and support of Latinx individuals and individuals from many other backgrounds so thank you for listening and please stay tuned for episodes two and three on a bit more insight on my family's experiences and possibly experiences that your latinx families have also faced thank you